Gentlemen, let's broaden our minds. Lawrence. Cody, are you familiar with the word serendipity? I've heard of it. Is it the name of a movie? <laughs> I think you're thinking... Well, maybe, but my... Are you thinking of Serenity? No. Hmm. Look it up. Serendipity is defined as the faculty or phenomenon, phenomenon of finding valuable or agreeable things not sought for. Kind of a loose def- definition of what happened tonight. So... <laughs> <laughs> The last this last week we've had our sight set on um or at least I've had my sight set on Book of Henry. The Book of Henry because it's Colin Trevorrow's or Trevor or whatever, like it matters. His movie before his Star last Wars. movie before Star Wars episode nine. Not just a Star Wars spin not a Star Wars spin off, like episode nine, the ending of the new trilogy of films. So here's what I'm thinking. Yeah. What if, what if you just gave me a play-by-play. Give me a scene-for-scene remake of the movie. We'll get to that. That's going to be... That'll be the f- act three of this three-act Star Wars director structure that we got going on. So that's going to be the... That's going to be the uh, IMAC launch in 1996. Or... Okay. But it's going to be dramatic, so maybe it should be uh, the next, a.k.a. Jobs v. Scully, Dawn of Justice. Oh, um, shit. This is going to be fun. It's going to be something, but... I'm not nearly as well-written as uh, any of those guys are, though. <laughs> but oddly enough, skinheads come into play. That's weird. Huh. In both stories. Odd. <laughs> um, so, yeah. I So, I don't know. I <laughs> So, serendipity. Um, we were going we to gonna talk about Book of Henry, just Book of Henry, and then... I can't blame you. I tried to twist your arm as best I could, but you did not want to see it. And, again, no. I don't blame you at all. I think you should eventually, but, you know torrented or when something. it's free i will definitely yeah so then i had the idea it's like oh well since we're going to talk about one director who made a terrible movie before star wars why don't we talk about a director who made a great movie before star wars aka looper by ryan johnson i feel like i want to talk about that that's a great movie it's fun to talk that's a about great movie i do and love then, that movie i'm sitting here um what well, both listening to listening and watching the U2 concert in Washington, D.C., and monitoring the special election for the Georgia Senate seat, and I see on my feed, Phil Lord and Chris Miller drop out of New Star Wars. I was like, uh, what? And Oh, so what you're saying now is that this happening was fate. It was serendipitous. It totally was. And it's it's just proof of how great the universe is. And But I also need to... <coughs> bring into consideration that the other day I fell and like banged up my face hardcore. Yeah, I so I saw that. You got wrecked by the ground. I did. So I don't know, maybe this is just maybe I'm in a coma. And this is just This is fake. Like, just like Otto. And uh I'm just I'm just living in this alternate timeline of John Osoff losing and Star Wars firing the director of one of their biggest spin offs, you know, with a week to go shooting. But whatever. Uh I'm better now. I've been picking at the scab, so it's good. It's good. They say not to do that, but I'm a... Uh, I'm a rebel. But who cares? Who cares, exactly. 
Um, so, yeah, the, the big news that just broke and came out of literally nowhere was that Star Wars directors Phil Lord and Chris Miller, some say they left, some say they, you know, quit, some say they were fired, but it's not good that they are no longer directing the Star Wars Han Solo spinoff. So, when you, when you saw that headline, or when you got that text, or whatever, what was the first thing that went through your mind? What? Huh. I didn't know they were directing that. Oh, you forgot? Or do you just not I care never, about I, 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 I'm just, I'm trying not to get too excited about it. Yeah. Jeff fam, you know what I'm saying? I feel ya. You know, but, I mean, what movie did they make? The Lego movie and the Jump Streets. And then Cloudy oh, with a Chance of Meatballs. Well, like, two of those are really good. Which ones? The Jump Streets and the Lego movie. Oh, that's three. Good. good. Um, yeah, I I always found that them to be a very weird choice for a Star Wars movie. Not to that they're... Well, mostly because they're directing but not writing. Like, I think Lawrence Kasdan and his son are writing the script and they're just directing. I was, I've gone back, like, you know... I, like, I thought that was weird because like they're not, they're better write, they're much better writers than they are directors. Like they're perfectly fine directors. I mean, Lego Movie is is pretty stunning in terms of direction, but Jump Street movies are, from a style standpoint, are nothing really that special, and you kind of need that for Star Wars. And I gotta say, I was, I was first I was shocked, and then I was like, are is. <laughs> Is this DC or is this Disney? Like that's <laughs> this seems like such a DC move, and not to say that like you know I hate every decision that DC makes, but you know what I mean. It's it, like they've DC's gone through like six directors for Flash. You know I got I've gotten emails about it. It's gotten that bad, and so for Star <laughs> They're Wars, asking me. yeah, to Star Wars for Star Wars and for Lucasfilm and Disney or Kathleen Kennedy or whoever to can their you know, hot shot, young. Everybody wants to be in in the Lord and Miller business. Directors. After the thing's been shooting since since like January, it's the most. It's one of the. I think it might be the most bizarre movie news story I've heard since the interview when North Korea. I just don't like, understand how this happens. So yeah, let's go through it. So Variety had a good had an interesting article where they, it seems like they. I don't know, they. I mean. These trades, the, the weird thing about, like, movie trades and news is, like, <laughs> and just the news industry is, like, they know about what, like, s- some stories that are happening, but, like, I'm sure they know who's directing the movie now or who's, you know, gonna, or what's up with Batman, but they just kind of, like, hold it back, so that's, I think that's what's going on here. Like, Variety, they've had this article ready to go for a while. So um, how long ago do you think that they quit or whatever? I mean, I was going through social media, just kind of looking around at um, Lord and Miller to see what they tweeted or if there's any breadcrumbs or whatever. And the best I could find was that Miller, I think, uh, was in Spain while they were shooting in London, I think. So, uh, so but that's that like does... a plane ride. That's you know, that's basically from New York. But yeah, to that's Florida. not that far away. So yeah. yeah, you're right. But I, you know, I couldn't really find anything. But they were tweeting about like somebody. Somebody uh, tweeted at them about like this article, and they're like, "You should do this to uh, Donald Glover as Lando, like something with do with his mustache." And he replied back to them. He's like, "Oh, I'm I'm too nervous to do that in front of 
in front of him. So, I don't know. People are always very careful what they put on social media when it comes to these things. So, I don't know if there's anything really to find there. But it's had to be in the works. But I'm going to go through some of the big points of this article. Um, so, apparently, the two... the th- Lord Miller have been, like, clashing a lot with Kathleen Kennedy and some of the Lucasfilm team, and even Lawrence Kasdan, over the direction that Star Wars was going to go in, this Han Solo movie was going to go in. And apparently, Variety says that Lord and Miller were stunned to find that they were not being granted freedom to run the production in the manner they were accustomed to. They balked at Kennedy's tight control on the set. So, uh it's not great. How do you not expect this, though? To not have complete control over your movie. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I felt this This is an interesting quote, and I think kind of sums up the whole thing, which... I don't know, maybe it's time to start talking about dysfunction in Star Wars land. Uh, but a, per, excuse me, a person with knowledge of the production said that the chemistry between the directors and K- Kathleen Kennedy just was never right. Quote, it was a culture clash from day one, the source said. Quote, she didn't even like the way they folded their socks. What does that mean? That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I mean, I'm sure she didn't hadn't seen them folding their socks, or maybe they did. Well, and that's you just don't know that. That's not like, canon. I don't know. <laughs> she didn't. Maybe she didn't like their wardrobe on set or like craft services or something like that. Um, so the source goes on to say that Lord Miller were hired for their vision and distinctive brand of filmmaking when it came to Star Wars. But Kennedy didn't like their shooting style and how they interacted with the actors and crew. Quote, they weren't given the leeway to do what they had to do. And apparently they also clashed with the writer, Lawrence Kasdan, who wasn't a fan of some of the guy's directing choices. And this is another interesting quote. Kathy, her team, and Larry Kazan have been doing it their way for a very long time. They know how the cheese is made and how they want it made. It became a very polarizing set. Mm-hmm. So, in the statements that the two, both sides gave up, um, they talked, they gave your basic, you know, creative differences, and Lord Miller did like, you know, we usually hate the phrase creative differences, but this time it's true, and... Uh, you know what the, the, what they haven't said, though? What? Was that the split was amicable. At least as far as I know, they, they didn't say, yeah, it's okay, we're not pissed off at whoever. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think that the Millers, or Lord Miller, whoever those guys, I don't know their fucking names. Yeah, I'm Lord sorry. Miller. Um, I don't think they're okay with this. Yeah, their opening line of their statement is, unfortunately, our vision and process weren't aligned with our partners on the project. And Kennedy's opening statement was, Phil Lord and Chris Miller are talented filmmakers who have assembled an incredible, incredible cast and crew, but it's become clear that we had different creative visions on this film and we decided to part ways. Um... So the directors, they didn't leave the the shoot voluntarily, and they were, this they were is fired. according to Variety, they were fired. And this decision has come as the Han Solo film has several weeks to shoot, according to an individual with knowledge of the production, and then reshoots have been plan- planned for later this summer. Um, Kennedy says that she's going to, that they're going to be hiring a director pretty soon, a new director. I hope so. And, uh... The article goes on to say, Kennedy had her own ideas about how the film should be shot. In an interview with Variety last year, she said she wanted to have a heist or western feel. And she's, and this is, I think, the most damning thing in the entire article. 
Some insiders believe that while Kennedy wants to make a splash by hiring young indie directors like Gareth Edwards and Ryan Johnson, she's ultimately unwilling to empower them to make their own creative decisions. So, this is just, like I said, I honestly, thinking about it more, and I'm, maybe my tone will change late as we go on, this literally is the weirdest story I've ever heard out of Hollywood. I did, like, as far as the movie production business goes and how, you know, how things are developed and pre-production and all of that, I don't know how it got to, you know, Definitely. this late in the game for them to realize, oh... Maybe we have a problem. Like if there's on, if there's a big onset clash, you hire, you fire. If you want to fire these guys, which they have the right to do, if she wants, you, you know, should have done it sooner than this. Kathleen Kennedy's the boss. If she wants to, um, if she wants to can their her directors, that's fine. But <laughs> actually, you know this what this reminds me of a lot, Cody. What's that? <laughs> Trump firing James Comey. It's oh like, really? It's in your right to do so, but the timing looks a little it's, weird. Yeah, it's not a good idea. Like they're just finishing up, and how like, how do you get to this point? How do you get to almost at the finish line of production, and just say, you know what, nah, I don't how? like you. I just I don't know how that happens. It's it's just bizarre. It's straight it's up silly. crazy. Again, I'm gonna get a cat scan tomorrow. I'm, I've already scheduled it because I yeah, can't. Yeah, you're not sure if you're dead or not. I like... might be dead. What if this is purgatory? It's like where Star Wars movies just suck. I don't know. Um, but yeah. But who do you think they're gonna get? Who's your ideal director? I've been I've been thinking about it for a bit, and I really couldn't think of anybody because, like, at this point in the game, you can't get anybody who is their own film. Like, you can't get a Matthew Vaughn or a uh, not a Chris Nolan. Like, you can't get a David Fincher, even though it would be awesome. What if we got, now hear me out, Yeah, a Quentin Tarantino? <laughs> no. Uh, what? No, definitely not. It'd be amazing. What are you talking about? You just have Han Solo saying fuck every other word? It sounds awesome. I know, Quentin wouldn't do it, though. But, what the uh, fuck, Chewie, you fucking fuck? Let's go. Then he'd what shoot can't... and there would be blood for once. I bet he would recast himself as Lando and just so he could say <laughs> the N-word. It'd be so funny. Just so he could say the N-word. Um... So no, I I've been thinking about. It. I really couldn't. I couldn't figure out. Like this is just a really horrible job to get. It's like, oh hey, we want you to come in to shoot this incredibly important tentpole blockbuster that a couple of other guys with a strong sense of style have already kind of done. But we want you to finish it and make it a cohesive movie. Like I, that sounds like a terrible job. But a, re- a report has come out um, from StarWarsNews.net. Not the most uh, trustworthy news source. It's not the Breitbart of the. It's all about it's Star Wars news. Yeah, when you're that close to the to the sun, you don't really get to see how hot it is, unfortunately. But they threw out. Um, apparently, Ron Howard is under consideration to replace Lord Miller, which I guess makes sense, where he's a practiced hand and you know yada yada yada. But interestingly enough, if he doesn't do it, then the job could go to Lawrence Kasdan. Okay, and what was the last movie he made? Who? Lawrence Kasdan. Um, I think Dreamcatcher, because I've seen that on Twitter a lot. Um, which I guess is was really bad. Really? Apparently, I never I saw that. I haven't um, seen it. Uh, let's but, see. I mean, he directed 
one of the best movies ever made, so... Yeah, I know. His last movie was Darling Companion in 2012. What 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 I one of the greatest of what that. was one of the greatest movies ever made? Didn't he make Empire? Well, he wrote it. I thought he directed it. No, oh. it was Irving Kirshner, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, Irving Kirshner. Yeah, his last movie was in Darling Companion 2012 with uh <laughs> Diane Keaton, Kevin Klein, Richard Jenkins, Elizabeth Moss, Sam Shepard, are you asleep yet? Old pe- he made an old people movie basically, which is great. <clears throat> I like old people movies, but um yeah, I mean, I guess if you're going to give it to somebody, you might as well give it to him. I mean, he's, you know, he's the, I don't know, I don't, not the Kevin Feige, because that's like uh, Kathleen Kennedy, but I don't know, he's, a, he's the guiding vision of Star Wars, and he kind of knows it best, where he, in a limited amount of time, he and J.J. were able to make a really good Star Wars movie that mm-hmm. was kind of on its way to being terrible, and then he wrote, like, the best, one of the best movies just ever made overall, so... But I guess guess I'm probably more comfortable with that, somebody who's been close to the production and knows and is on the side of the studio, I guess, who knows what they want, rather than somebody coming in last minute and just... Fucking everything up. Yeah, cobbling something together. But uh, I just... Again, I just don't know how this happened. I don't know how they how somebody like Disney and somebody like Lucasfilm and somebody like Kathleen Kennedy can do this at the very last minute. It just it's it's mind boggling. It really is. You don't expect this kind of dysfunction from Disney, really. Like they yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, you got you get your um you you get you get your rough patches here and there. Like yeah, I, I'm sure. Even though, in hindsight, Harrison Ford breaking his leg on the Millennium Falcon was a good thing because the script needed time, but <laughs> you expect something like that where it's like an act of God, but this just reeks of dysfunction to me. And when you add it to Gareth Edwards on Rogue One, I'm just I'm going forward with some trepidation where I don't know if these movies are going to be good, or I'm, I don't know if they're going to be great, but they're probably going to be good. Well, I mean, yeah, Rogue One, that's the quality I'm expecting from now on. And it's a good movie. I'm not saying it's a bad movie. Yeah. Um, I don't know. What What are some more thoughts about this? How, how are you feeling? I feel fine. I have not paid any attention to this movie since it was announced. Yeah. So I'm just here. I'm along for the ride. I'm just waiting. Mm-hmm. We'll see. I I don't think that this is going to be a major setback or anything. Right. <sighs> it's it, it is it is bizarre a world and I don't know, I the conclusion has to be made that Lucasfilm. I mean, like like I said that 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 quote in the article says it all that Kennedy likes to make a big splash, but she ultimately doesn't want to cede over too much control and. I really I don't blame her at all because like she is she's not just been given the keys to the kingdom but she's been given the keys to the world like Star Wars mm-hmm. is the biggest entertainment media property in the world I mean it makes the most money it sells the most toys puts the most butts in seats it's just it's the biggest thing ever and I completely understand why she would say you know what we can't afford another Attack of the Clones or another 
whatever the other one is, Phantom Menace. We need this to be good. Yeah, we need this to be in our in our own wheelhouse of and the identity that we're kind of setting up. But it's a really bad PR move to can your directors not just can your directors, but can your directors who you hired for their creativity and the critics and the box office have both responded to their creativity with great reviews and a ton of money. You so you hire them t- knowing that they they consistently give they get a ton of money from their movies and critics love their movies and then you fire them for that reason because <laughs> they're being themselves basically. Because they're being themselves. Like I don't know, at least if If they stunk and they took a risk on a couple of guys who just haven't gotten it quite quite right yet, but are really, really, really close, and then you just say, you know what, they're not up for the task. This needs to be good, so we're gonna, you know, we're gonna take things in our own hands. But these guys, they've got they've got the track record, they've got the clout, they've got the they can puff their chest out a little bit, and I don't. I don't know. I just don't know the decision making behind this. If you hire Chris, uh, Phil Lord and Chris Miller to make a movie, you hire them to make a movie. Mm-hmm. You know, just you don't back out when things get weird. I think people want something different. They and another one of the reports was out there. One of the little blurbs was that like the acting and action wasn't quite up to par, and they weren't crazy about that. The acting. Yeah. I don't like that. <laughs> yeah, I mean... I don't want to believe it. I like my those actors. I didn't know. I do, too. I think Alden Ehrenreich will be great, and uh, Donald Glover's awesome. Like, those two will be... I think the acting's going to be solid, but... I mean, the action? I mean, is action really the thing that sells Star Wars movies? Hell, yes. I think that... I don't know. That's I, I the think, adventure. It's more the adventure, but yeah, still. The brand it's, is just so strong that it doesn't... You know, you can make a Star Wars without a lot of action sequences, and I don't think people are going to be that disappointed because they trust that it's being done right. And I don't, mm-hmm. speaking as somebody who admires Star Wars quite a bit, I mean, when I think of how great The Empire Strikes Back is, I never think about the action sequences. I think about the characters, the script. The I mean, half that, the. Yeah. I mean, nothing really happens in Empire too much. It You're starts right. out with a cool battle, sure, but it never really gets that big again. So, I don't know. It's not good news. That's for gosh darn sure. And <laughs> this kind of leads into one of into our overall topic. And I guess, you know, why don't we just jump into Book of Henry? I mean, that We're talking about bad movies, sense. boys. Let's go. I mean. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, I guess it's worth mentioning that J.J. was a very safe pick for Star Wars. Um, uh. Mission Impossible 3. Star Trek and Star Trek Into Darkness, at the very least, they're solid, well-made, eight out of ten kind of movies. Well, and to then, be fair, they're also they were also JJ's audition piece. Yeah, exactly. And then when he got a chance, much like Trevorrow, to do something reminiscent of the movies he grew up on and something smaller, um, <laughs> it's good. It was a good like Super Eight's a. F- I think it's a fairly good movie. I haven't seen it. I really like that movie. Yeah, I've only seen it once, but I've never, you know, if you sat me down and said, you have to watch Super 8 again, I'm going to be hyped for it because I really, I dig it. Um, 
so he's you know so he came into episode seven as a perfectly like yeah that's you know that makes sense that you would hire somebody like J.J. Abrams to kick off your Star Wars franchise. And when he got a chance to do something outside of franchise filmmaking, which I'm sure went into this into the decision to give him Star Wars, it was strong and it was nostalgic, but also kind of put pushed the genre in a different direction. And then there's the Book of Henry from Colin Trevorrow, and this is I mean, uh, let me start off with a disclaimer that I don't watch movies that I know are going to be bad. You know, like. You don't have to look, you don't have to eat a piece of pizza or eat a hamburger to know it's bad when you mm-hmm. can see there's mold on it, you know, or it's made with dog shit instead of ketchup. <laughs> so I live my life saying, does this movie look like it's good or is at, or if it doesn't look good, does it at least look interesting enough to bring something to my life? So by that logic, I'm not going to go see Norm of the North. I'm not going to go see... Um, what horror, whatever horrible movie, came, like Resident Evil 19 or whatever. I'm, you know, I'm going to see, I like to see movies and I like to watch movies that will enhance my life in some way, whether it's <laughs> admiring a director's work or, just, you know, or whatever the case may be. If I feel like setting aside my life for two hours or whatever is going to help me better understand something else or better appreciate something else, then I'll do it. But I'm not going to watch crap. So I don't. Therefore, I don't see a lot of movies that I'm that are bad. That you know are going to so, be bad. Yeah. So maybe this isn't as bad as I think it is. Maybe it isn't as bad if I as it would be if I saw, you know, at least two new releases every week. Maybe it's not that bad, but maybe it's one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Maybe it really? is ungodly terrible and a complete and total misfire. And maybe it came at the exact wrong time. For Disney, knowing what we know now about the Han Solo movie, <laughs> I was willing to give Colin Trevorrow a shot. I was excited to see what he would do when he had a small budget, a, sm- a tiny script, and his own, um, I guess, his own freedom in a way. Because you know, Jurassic World, like that's. For a, for a first-time big movie director, that's a pretty safe flick, you know? You got Steven yeah. Spielberg looking, looking over your shoulder. You got a really solid foundation in place, much like he's gonna he might have for Star Wars. And you're going to you're going to hit you're going to give it a, you know, a 7 and 7.5 kind of movie. That's that's a you know, and with dinosaurs people are just going to be hype about it anyway. So that's a very much a you know, you're not, we're not even throwing you a, a meatball. We're putting the ball on the tee and just letting you hit it as hard as you can. And if it goes out, it goes out. If it doesn't, you know, we're still fine. Yeah. So the book of Henry is this guy's chance to, before he goes and does Star Wars, to say this is the kind of director I am. And granted, I have not seen Safety Not Guaranteed. I've heard it's fine. I've heard it's at least good. But the best case scenario for Colin Trevorrow is that he is putting out diminishing returns leading up to Star Wars, whereas somebody who we're going to talk about later, Ryan Johnson, has gotten better and better as he's graduated to Star Wars. And it's like Colin Trevorrow is tripping into Star Wars, you know? <laughs> he got like, lucky. Like, there's there's an es- there's two escalators, and Ryan Johnson is walking up one escalator, going up, and Colin Trevorrow is stumbling and tripping and falling down an escalator going down, and Star Wars is at both ends, and... Like this is this movie is so bad that I would not 
be surprised nor feel bad personally for him if he gets kicked off of it and they get a new director. Really? It is just so profoundly stupid and the story and the script just does not work at all. At all. What was it even about? So starting from the beginning, let, 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 let's talk about it. Yeah, we might as well. So just just tell me how it goes. This is going to be a, like a script reading. Yeah, this is a complete 100%. This is spoilers for the book of Henry and oh my god, is it bad? So there's so we're we're introduced to these characters, Henry, Peter, and Susan Carpenter. Susan is a single mom. We never find out what happens to the dad, or at least I don't think we did because I was just in this euphoria the entire time and May have missed some minor details, but she's living with her son, Henry, and her son, Peter. Peter, played by Jacob Tremblay from Room, and Henry, played by Jaden Lieberer from Midnight Special, played Alton. Oh, And I guess, let me get my positive out of the way of this movie. The acting was overall pretty good. Like, Jaden Lieberer was, you know, he was good, I guess, you know, he for a child actor. Not as good as Midnight Special. And Jacob Tremblay was capable i don't know he's like <laughs> nine so i don't it's kind of hard to judge a nine year or not even nine he's like six he does he basically does baby voice the whole time and he's like the cute one you know yeah okay and then naomi watts as the mom is you know she's a capable actor she's a good actor she can she kind of has she's dealt a, a very poor hand and she kind she does her the best she can with it which is average uh dean norris is fine um, there's a girl named Maddie Ziegler who plays, um, this, the neighbor girl who's, she's okay. Apparently she was on Dance Mom, so I kind of don't want to praise her too much. Any relation to Toby? <laughs> no. Does she, does she whisper talk until she gets really mad? Yeah. God, he's so annoying. Oddly enough, yes. I didn't I tell you? I told you it was annoying. You did, I, I didn't notice that until you told me too, so but I kind of hate you. I'm sorry. But. I, that scene though when he yells at the president for not telling people about his illness is like peaks Sorkin. It's um, pretty yeah, he's a great actor. It's just Yeah, that he made some choices. Um But to be fair, that that's a problem with pretty much everybody on that show. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. A lot of them, especially um Brad Whitford does that too. Does what? Whisper talks. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh definitely. Uh, it, it just makes it sound cooler when they yell. But anyways, Book of Henry. Sarah Silverman's in the movie, too. And of, Why? I don't know. Lee Pace is in the movie, and he's actually the best part of it. I kind of, I didn't really know him before. Like, I knew he was in some stuff, but I didn't know him, know him. And now I think he's kind of awesome, and I wanted to be in more stuff. Cause... Lee Pace, he was uh, Gandalf's dad in The Hobbit, right? Yeah, and he was in Guardians, I think. Um, he was the main, yeah, he was the main bad guy. Yep, he was... Uh, popcorn ceiling face. Black popcorn ceiling face. That's why I called. And then Bobby Moynihan from SNL was in it, which was cool. Was he really? Yeah, was he good? I mean, he had like two scenes and he was fine. I though. imagine he's probably a pretty good actor. Yeah. So Henry and Peter and Susan are living in this house and they live right next door to the police commissioner, played by Dean Norris, who. Uh, if there's anybody who's been more typecast, you can. <laughs> Yeah, did you ever watch Under the Dome? No. Horrible, horrible show, but I loved I watching it. I had a blast with that show. It was super fun. Um, so, yeah, uh, Henry was, like, 
surmises, I guess, that um, Dean Norris, whose character's name is Glenn, his name is Glenn, wait for okay. it, his last name is Sickleman. Glenn, Glenn Sickleman. Sick Get it? Sick man. Get it? Why? Uh, that's my. That may be the least offensive thing about this movie. That's so, like um. That's like Doctor Man from uh. Yeah. <laughs> Interstellar. Oh, such a stu- why did Nolan why? Oh God, that's such. That's the stupidest decision he's ever made with a paging Doctor Man, Doctor Human. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um. So apparently he's been molesting his stepdaughter. Okay. Sounds great. All right. They never like whenever somebody watches it happen, they always cut away, and it's like I get why you're cutting away, but. Maybe he's just tickling her real bad. Maybe you don't know. I don't know. But um, so they they're living in this little town, and Glenn, the police commissioner, is molesting his daughter, his stepdaughter, and Henry like wants to do something about it, and basically nothing ha- like the first thirty five or so minutes of this movie, nothing really happens. Like we get the setup with the characters or whatever, and it's like I'm watching this movie, and I was like, okay, this is like really average it's like fine it's nothing crazy but then i then henry gets a brain tumor and dies shit really quickly like it's just it just happens i was like oh okay like it it happens so quickly you don't even get a chance to process it and lee pace and this is another weird thing about the movie lee pace plays the doctor who is like a neurosurgeon who like operates on henry to remove this tumor and then he kind of starts right. dating Henry's mom. Oh, gross! And that's weird. It's like oh, that's like what... um, that's like Doug Stamper in what's it called? House uh, of Cards. Yeah, House of Cards when he's dating that uh, that woman who got Frank's li- or who was supposed to get Frank's liver. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ugh, creepy. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, they don't like date, date, but like there's. They obviously hint to a romance there, and it's like, oh, hey, remember that one time when I cut open your son's head and then I had to tell him that he died? That was fun. That was super fun. And it's like, like, how many people, like, uh, whatever. But there's a scene after Henry dies where he comes over to their house and he gives Peter his business card. He's like, whenever you want to talk, call me. Peter's like, okay. It's like, really? Do you? I mean, I, I understand, you know, being invested in your patients, but this is a little much, bro. Kind of creepy, honestly. It's played as more of like a I'm your father figure kind of thing. Like I don't have kids of my own or whatever. Your father figure. Yeah, exactly. So, so Henry dies, and after as as he's dying, he tells his little brother Peter that when he dies, he's like, make sure you give mom this red notebook, and he's like, okay, cool. And they go on for a little bit, like I think it's a month, and then Peter's like, oh wait, I gotta do that one thing you asked me to do. So he gives his mom the notebook, and it's a step-by-step instruction guide to killing Glenn Sickleman, the police commissioner. Wow. And he, I want to, I, let me tell you, there's a couple of lines that stuck out to me for the first half of the movie that I want your opinion on. One of is Susan to Henry, she says, we're not killing the police commissioner, and that is final. Okay. That's but then they line. Kill the, did they kill the police commissioner? Oh, I'm getting to that. But that's a line from the movie where there's an actual argument between a, a mother and her child. Oh, and by the way, so, I forgot to mention, Henry's like a genius, and there's a scene early on in the movie where he is 
buying and selling and trading stocks on a payphone outside of his school. Is that how that works? I d- uh, uh, I'm not smart enough to do that. <laughs> yeah, he's just like, oh, yeah, he's like, oh, drop blah, 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 and pick up blah, 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 and then blah, whatever. Getting all of our money, Mom. How do you think I'm getting it? Yeah, no, literally, he there's this, there's also several scenes where, like, he's sitting at the kitchen table, like, with stacks and stacks of papers and financial disclosure or whatever. He's, like, setting up their lives. Like, they talk about, oh, you've got $600,000 in the bank and several millions of dollars in trust. Like, you never have to work again. But his mom still works at this diner randomly. For and fun. Like, while he's doing all this financial stuff, his mom is playing Gears of War <laughs> on the couch. And, like, she's doing, like, the I'm an actress and I'm pretending to play a video game thing where, like, <laughs> whenever she was playing video games, I was like, that button doesn't do that. that... So she, like, leaned to the side and all that shit? Oh, no, they, they do a whole thing. She's like, you know that leaning forward and leaning to the side doesn't improve your chances. She's like, no, but I like how it feels. I was like, ah! What is going on? But, um... Okay, so that's so one out of context line is we're not killing the police commissioner and that's final. Another is a scene where Henry is in his class or whatever and he like notices that Maddie has a bruise or she looks sad. Like the girl that plays Maddie, I'm just gonna say she gives a really bad performance. Like it's just it's awkward and weird and she doesn't really emote. She just is kinda dead. Like she just sorta has dead eyes and we're meant to believe that she's wounded or something. And he 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 barges out of his classroom and walks in the principal's office and he says, God damn it, Janine. <laughs> like, I told you we need to do something. <laughs> and they have this whole, like, conversation. She's like, well, you're going to need to give me proof, Henry. She's like, I'll get proof. I can't get proof or whatever. But I'm that brings me to my biggest plot. Like, this movie's got a ton of plot holes. And the biggest one that I had with it is that this movie was based on the fact that the mother is playing Gears of War. I'm led to believe that at the bare minimum, actually, no wait, they have they have li- they have smartphones at the end end of the movie, so um, it's got to be present day. But Henry is tasked with the principal, like you don't have evidence, and he's like a member of the community, does besmirch him or whatever. It's like if something is going on, and he, the reason he knows the abuse is happening is because he looks out his window into the house, into Glenn Sickleman's house, which is like five feet away. And sees the abuse happening. Why do you never set up a night vision camera? Or just a camera? It doesn't even have to be night vision. But a camera to show that something was happening. Like, is there so something... Can I tell you the biggest uh, plot hole? So you're telling me that the principal or whatever knew about this? She... I mean... She kind of? Like, she didn't... I, I think she believes Henry because she knows he's smart. But, like, she he didn't have evidence. But even but then, she did... still he still told her about it, right? Yeah. So, every teacher in the world, or at least in the United States, are something that's called a mandated reporter. Oh yeah, yeah. No, they talk about that in the. They don't, and then they completely bullshit over the excuse. Yeah. Because no, but no, because you need, of... you, they need to tell the cops that they think something's happening. That's but he the is law. the cops, and the best part is the so Henry calls Child Protective Services anonymously. And is like I think Glenn Sickleman is molesting his daughter, his stepdaughter, whatever. So they send an agent over, and guess what? The him. The agent is his brother. It's like oh, would not. How could that be? How is that even an option? Like, how is that on the table where that's possible? Where you could send somebody's brother to investigate their own brother, like. 
you would have to recuse them. There's ob- an obvious conflict of interest, you know. Uh huh. Like it just. Does, it, I mean, that's again, that's a, that's small potatoes compared to some of the shit that's in this movie. Um. So, <laughs> there's also an, another great scene. So Sarah Silverman plays a waitress at this diner that Naomi Watts works at. And okay. they have this bit where whenever they have a dialogue sequence, they just, like, her whole bit is, like, oh, well, like, she was late to work. She's, like, oh, well, I had to find someone to uh, park my Maserati for me. And she was, like, making it sound like she was super, super rich. So it was super annoying is what you're telling me? It was incredibly annoying. And they do this whole bit about, like, how she's, a dr- like, a complete and total alcoholic, which kind of happens for a couple of scenes, and they just sort of dismiss and there's another great scene in the movie, which started out nice, where Henry's in the hospital, and he's got this very contentious relationship with Sarah Silverman. Like, they make fun of each other a lot. Like, he kind of calls her a slut, and kind of, like, <laughs> it's funny. But she comes in, she is, like, trying to do, she's trying to keep things normal, and, like, she ribs on him or whatever. And then halfway through, she sees this little kid with a big bandage on his head, and, like, in a hospital room, gonna die. And she's like, what'd you do this to me for, Hank? And... Which she calls him Hank to annoy him or whatever, and she, he has this conversation. She's like, "Well, uh, this is that's just kind of our relationship. It's a blah blah blah." And he gives like the techno jargon mumbo babble or whatever. And then she, you know, she's like, "Okay, then," and she just sort of leaves. But before she leaves, she kisses him on the lips Ew. for an uncomfortably long amount of time. And of all the people you're going to call child services on for getting creepy with a kid, Henry, maybe it should be her. Like, it was a long kiss. Like, maybe the idea was, like, he's never going to get to kiss a girl, I guess, but it just comes off as... It came off as so creepy. It came off, like, ugh. That's how you know it's a good movie. It gave me, like, ugh. It was just not... It was not okay. Um, So, okay, so... Henry dies, and it's all sad for a while, and, like, Naomi Watts, she kind of breaks down, which I kind of get, but then her character just doesn't make sense, and she's like, the Peter comes home from school, and she's like, we're gonna have dessert every for every meal for a week, and Peter's like, okay, cool, whatever. That's bad for you, Mom. Yeah, but there was there was really one kind of funny scene peppered in here where Henry, Peter goes to school, and he, like, opens up his lunchbox, and he's it's full of, like... Um, cannolis and cupcakes and ring dings and whatnot, and he just opens up and he sighs. He's like, anybody want to trade me for some fruit? And, like, a bunch of kids just poach all of his stuff and give him, like, apples and whatever, and I thought that was that was a good scene. But, um... Okay, so, uh, back on track. Henry dies, and Peter gives his mother the instruction manual on how to kill uh, Glenn Sickleman. And... In... In the notebook, he's like, go into the safe in the in the basement and get out my tape recorder. And she's like, okay. And she pulls it out, and Henry has done like a video diary. Like, a, not a video diary, but like a diary, like a walk. Like, so she can hear his voice giving her instructions. And that is honestly the thing that I think was the one thing where Colin Trevorrow should have said, you know what, maybe this is the stupidest thing ever, and this is completely not going to work. And it's going to distract from the narrative. Completely, 100%, because from the grave, mind you, Cody, from the grave, after he's dead, Henry is multiple times able to predict his mother's movements and tell her not to do something, or, oh, I'm like, she, he says something and she doesn't want to hear, and then she starts swearing or whatever, and he's like, I'm glad you got that out and not in front of Peter. That what? happens in this movie. 
I don't care how smart you are. You don't, you don't, oh, wow, that sounds really dumb. And let me tell you, that's not even the dumbest part, because later on in the movie, <laughs> she buys a sniper rifle and is prepared to, to kill Glenn Sickleman, and we're going to get to the that whole point later, but there's something to do with timing, and so she takes, she, you know, this is precisely planned for her to, like, leave this talent show and then go kill Glenn Sickleman and then come back for the talent show so she has, so she has an alibi or whatever. And uh-huh. she's got Glenn Sickleman in her sight. She's got the sniper rifle. It's set up. And he, like, moves out of place, So she and she loses him. But in the recording, Henry's like, no, Mom, you got to do it now. You got to do it now. Now, Mom, now. And he's like, what? And what? She, and she hasn't taken the shot yet, so like he knew that she that he would get that the guy would get out of place. Like, what if she just popped him, blew his head off, and she just sat there, and you just hear Henry in the background Why saying, "Hey, you yelling, gotta go you now, fucking, you idiot!" I did what you said, and there's so there. Those are the two moments that stood out to me, but I think there was a couple others where I was just completely lost. It's like how you can't look at this and think it's good. You can't look at this and think, "Oh, people will be able to overlook it." Like, I'm so forgiving when it comes to plot holes. I don't care how Bruce Wayne got back into Gotham. I don't care that he was able to be mended from having his back broken by some guy without any medical tools in the middle of a hole in the desert. I don't care. That's fine. That's that's in the realm of possibility, so I can live with that. But something as egregious as a dead kid leaving a recording that is able to anticipate his mother's movements after he dies with accurate precision... Except for one time when he messes up, which, like, the, I guess they try to do as a cop-out, is just unforgivable for me. Like, how do yeah. I, I, at this point... That I, sounds, like, absolutely just really, really dumb. Like, how could how do I trust Colin Trevorrow to look at an Episode Nine script? As somebody who doesn't really care, who, like, I'm, I'm down for a Star Wars movie, I enjoy them a majority of the time, but if I never see one again after Episode Nine, I'm not going to be that upset. I'll be like, okay, that's that's fine with me. But as somebody who likes good movies, how do I? How can I trust that he's going to be able to look at a script and say, "Yep, we're ready to film this." You know, <laughs> we are ready to cap off not just not just one trilogy, but the story—a nine-movie story—or at least cap off this chapter of it. I just, I just want to know what, how they came up with his name, Sickleman. No, to make the movie. Oh tre- no! Trevor liked the script. Like this, this script had been had was written twenty years ago by Greg Hurwitz, who's like a guy. Like uh, he's a crime. I think he writes a bunch of crime novels, and he's sort of he does books and movies and a little bit. And this script had been sitting around for twenty years, and it got into the hands of this producer who, before Jurassic World, said, "Oh, Colin Colin Trevor would love this," and he's like. And he wanted, he was going to do it, but then he got hired for Jurassic World, so he stepped away, and they gave it to another director who then gave it up. And then after he was done with Jurassic World, Trevor was like, ah, I want Book of Henry. Let's do it. And, like, so it's not like he got thrown this at the last second or this was a favor. Like, he's been, this movie has been in his head for a very long time. And he's been wanting. If a a movie's sitting there for 20 years, I mean. Leave it there. This movie should not have seen the light of day. Maybe there's a reason, you know? Just. Okay, like, come on. I, I I get what you're trying to do. Getting movies out of development hell, but and the the whole thing, I I mean, so I saw the trailer and I think I'm I either mentioned on the show or in a text and I was like that Book of Henry looks terrible and uh, and 
Josh was kind of like upset at me. He's like, "Oh, it looks fine. It's you know, look, it'll be okay." I was like, "Okay, whatever." Forgot about it for a while, and then I saw, I watched an interview Colin Trevorrow did with Chris Stuckman, and, and I was like, and I, I listened to the whole thing. I was like, "Okay, you you sold me on this. It sounds like you care about this movie." And he talked about, "Oh, I re- I want to do original stories, and I want to do I want I think people are going to respond to something that isn't their typical Hollywood thing or whatever." I was like, okay, I'm on board. You, your heart's in the right place. I want to see what you're going to do before 9. I want to see what kind of director you are. And original original stories and original storytelling is not enough. You need to have a good script, and you need to have a good story. And this is the furthest thing from that. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think you could give this to... 20... You could give this to... 20 directors actively working in Hollywood and say is this a good script and I guarantee you if 19 of them said if only one of them said yes this is a good script that would I would be shocked and it somehow Colin Trevorrow was that one and the thing about it is this movie could totally work this insane premise and botched up in crazy screenplay could definitely work with somebody who understands the irony and understands how stupid it is and turns it into a comedy. Trevorrow <laughs> goes right for the jugular and wants this to be like an emotionally harrowing exp- experience with the music cues and the small town America and the cute kid actors and the story that'll just pull your heartstrings. Like he doesn't know that this is bad. Whereas he thinks honestly, it's good. Honestly, somebody like Phil Lord and Chris Miller could have made this hysterical. Like, they could have understand the irony of it. It's, I mean, honestly, I, I, I mentioned this in my letterbox review, and I, I think this holds completely true. Colin Trevorrow is closer on the directorial spectrum to Tommy Wiseau than he is to Steven Spielberg. Wow, that's a that's a harsh statement right there. On, but honestly, it's it comes down to, do you understand the subject matter what it is, and if and how it will work with people. And this works just as much. Like, I think Tommy Wiseau thought the room script was great just as much as Colin Trevorrow thought the Book of Henry well, script was fair, great. to be fair, Tommy Wiseau wrote the room. I know. And, yeah, it's I guess it's different when it, maybe when you when it's somebody else's screenplay, it should be easier to, to be like, uh, I don't know. Like if you, yeah. like everybody's blind to their own writing. Like you need a second opinion. You need an outside counsel. Because and you know, Bono talks a lot about like writing and music is when you when you play a song enough and when you work on a song enough, even if you, even if you turn down the bass or you up the drums or whatever, your your mind fills in like oh there should be bass here because I've heard this song so much with more bass so you're kind of getting a false positive in your brain. You need somebody... To, like, they hired a producer making the Joshua Tree who his only job was to come in every four weeks, listen to all the songs, and say, no, this is good, scrap that, yes. Like They they, they wanted somebody with an outside perspective to come in and give them the honest feedback they needed. And that, So making a movie like this should be easier when you're coming at it from the outside and when you're looking at this from an objective standpoint. And Colin Trevor should have said no to this. This is not a good movie. This is not a good screenplay. It's just, it's objectively terrible. Like, there are so many leaps in logic and insane coincidences and things that just don't add up that if you're making Star Wars, I expect better judgment. That's all. 
<laughs> and I, if and honestly, here's what it comes down to: if I can't trust him, and if people, if Star Wars fans can't trust him, and I don't think this the Book of Henry is being talked about enough because it's incredibly important. If we can't trust him to look at a 20 year old script by a guy who is not really a screenwriter, he's more of a novelist, and say that's this bad, and say this is fine. What is he going to be like when he has when he's writing his own screenplay? You those Not questions good. have to be asked. And I'm I like I said earlier, I'm not I will not be surprised or nor feel really that bad if he gets fired from 9. I'm sure he's a nice guy. In the interviews that I've seen, he's been very polite and kind and you know, I can tell he's passionate about movies, but I don't think he I don't think his judgment's very good. And I haven't even gotten to the worst parts of the movie yet, so buckle I'm up. I'm still Cody. waiting. Let's go. Come on. So this plot is put into motion, and in a, in a scene early on, Henry just finds his way into a gun store. That's fine, and he like hides behind these guns, and he see, and he like looks through the guns at the counter, and this guy in a leather jacket goes up, and he's like, "Oh, I want to buy this, this, and this." He's like, "I'm sorry, I can't sell that to you," or he's like, "What if I gave you an extra two hundred or whatever?" He's like, "No, sorry, bro." He's like, what if I said I work for Dominic? And the guy's like, oh, okay. And he sells him these guns. And <laughs> later on in the movie, um, Naomi, like, Naomi Watts goes to the gun store, and like Henry tells her what to say. And she's like, oh, I know Dominic. And the guy's like, oh, shit. And he sells her the gun and the, like the scope like illegally. And it's just like, well, who's I, – I think that's kind who's of funny. Dominic? Yeah, exactly. Who's Dominic? And I think that's kind of funny. But it was done with straight faced. This is this is the movie we're making. Sorry, bro. And the plot that they have to kill Glenn Sickleman is just incredible. Oh, and another thing is, um, <laughs> so Naomi Watts, Susan, she goes over to her na- her neighbor's house, and after she sees, oh, this is a great scene. So she so she goes up to Henry's room, like after he dies, and she sees the abuse firsthand, right? Like she. Mm-hmm. She sees Glenn, you know, messing with his stepdaughter or whatever. And right in the middle of it, she calls him and calling back to an earlier scene. She's like, oh, by the way, Glenn, I'm going to take care of the leaves. Like, I'm going to rake the leaves so they don't get in the yard. And he's like, okay, cool. I'm going to go back to molesting my do- my stepdaughter. She's <laughs> like, okay. And she just, like, calls him right in the middle of it. It's the most random thing ever. But the next scene over, and the ver- I think it's the next day, she goes over to his house. She's like, hey, so, like, if you died, what would happen to Maddie? And... <laughs> He's like, I don't know, I haven't thought about it. She's like, okay, cool. By the way, can you sign this document? And it's like, she says it's a permission slip, which actually, technically, it is a permission slip for her to take, pick up Maddie to go to a dance, like this talent show. That's a, think about it. You need it, the parents needed to give, and I think it was a legit permission slip, I'm not sure, but a permission slip to drive somebody else's kid to a school function that isn't, but that she's not picking her up from. To like drive them to? Two, not picking up. Like, I get picking up where it's like, okay, who's this random person? Oh, you have a permission slip? That's this kid's mom? Fine, whatever, sure. But to just to drive them there? Really? You need to do that? But whatever. Um, She only gets the permission slip so she can trace over it, giving her custody of, the, of Maddie after he dies. What? Because you don't need a <laughs> notary present for something like, like fucking... that. That looks nothing like a permission slip. No, but she does slip. this. She does this. Um, like there's this voiceover that's like, thankfully, you know, in, according to the state law, blah blah blah, like giving a reason why she can just 
forge somebody's signature and get custody of another person. I just I don't think that's how that works. It's not. Really. There's no way that happened. Like maybe again, maybe in 1993 when this script was written, but not in 2017 where this obviously is. But anyways, so let's go. Like Cody, I haven't even scratched the surface of the stupid scenes in this thing, and I'm sure there's gonna be some I forget along the way. But well, hold on. I need to get something to drink. This is, this is... <laughs> okay. So the plan is set in motion. All right. So Naomi Watts, she takes the she takes her son, and she takes um. Oh, never mind. The girl's name is Christina. I've been calling her Maddie because that's the actress's name. Darn it. But Christina. So she takes Christina and Peter to the talent show. And they uh, they get there, and the doctor shows up because Peter called him to to because he wanted to come to the ta- he wanted the doctor to come to the talent show. You know, the one that cut his he- brother's head open and like told him that he died. He was gonna die. Yeah, that you know. one, that one. Um, and like there's a, there's this really weird little scene where they're standing in this like lobby or this hallway, and Susan, the mom, is talking to the doctor, and. Peter, the little kid, like, starts drawing on this other kid's artwork and, like, draws a mustache on him. And the mom's like, Peter, what are you doing? Why would you do that? And he's like, uh, Henry would have thought it was funny. And she's like, okay. Oh, okay. That makes it like, better. All right. And then she's like, okay, go on and go backstage for your talent show. And, like, the thing just sits there with a mustache. Like, he just ruined some kid's work and the mom did nothing about it. Okay, cool. Bad parent. Mom of the, mom of the year award. Yeah, just, like. What a dick. That's somebody's drawing. I don't care if it sucks. It's theirs. Um, so she gets to the she gets to the talent show and um and then she leaves and goes to kill Glenn Sickleman, right? And uh-huh. this this step this this plan has been plotted to the second. It's precise. It's just fundamentally sound, up and down, perfectly executed. She's gonna <laughs> get first of all, the 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 motive, or the, whatever, uh, what's the thing, what's it called when you're like, oh, I was, I couldn't have done it because I was doing this. Alibi. Alibi. The alibi's not, it sucks because, you know, yeah, you've established that you're at the thing, but if so, if a cop comes by and is like, oh, did you see Susan here? It's like, oh no, she disappeared and then she showed up back towards the end. It's like, oh, maybe she went off and killed this guy. It doesn't make any sense, but whatever. So she gets back and... She gets her gun and she goes into this treehouse that her sons had built, which is a pretty decent treehouse. It's it's okay. And Glenn is sitting at his desk and he's rifling through papers and he's you know he's got scotch because all bad guys drink scotch. And the entire premise of the plan is to lure him out into the woods and shoot him dead, right? Okay. So Cody, let me ask you. If that was your, if your mission was to shoot somebody dead by luring them out into the woods, how would you do that? I was going to kill someone dead by luring them out to the wo- the woods. I would say, hey, you want to go hunting? So you're going to Dick Cheney it, okay? Yep. <laughs> Here's what she does. She takes a walkie-talkie with a, I think a mic, either a microphone or an amplifier attached to it or something like that. She tapes it to a tree. And then she makes whistling sounds. What? She makes whistling sounds. And let me tell you, I live, uh, f- I've lived a majority, like, all but five months of my life basically by a forest where there are, you know, if I open a window, I can hear 
dozens of different sounds of insects or birds or whatever the case may be in the in the summertime, which this movie's set. And I wouldn't think twice about anything. Like if I heard something weird, I'd be like, sure, whatever. Unless it sounded dangerous or like an animal in pain, I would completely ignore it. And I have for my entire life, and nothing has come of it, right? So this guy is sitting at his desk, and it's not a sta- granted. It's not established how long he's lived in that house, but if it's any more than like a month, then you kind of get used to the sounds or whatever. Yeah. And he's sitting at his desk, and he hears this sound. It's like a like kind of. It's like something like that. And he sits mm-hmm. there once, and he doesn't. He kind of notices it, and he sit and he's sitting there. It happens again. And he kind of he like looks over his shoulder. And then it happens a third time, just three times, and he gets up, opens the drawer, pulls out his gun, cocks it, and goes to investigate. Brings a gun. He brings a gun. It's just, it's not like it's an, like, here's what, it would have been fine, here's what made more sense. Play like a white noise of some voices out in the woods that sound like out of place, like, Mm -hmm. or just like, the rattling of a, I don't know, a garbage can or something like that. Like, you think that there's an intruder on your property, so you bring a gun. Not fucking whistling. Nobody's going to get up to go investigate whistling. Who cares? It's somebody's whistling. It does Whatever. Nobody's, you're the only one home. You have a gun. If, so, if they try to come into your house, you can shoot them. That's the thing you can do in America. Don't. Why go out in the woods? And so we, But he goes out into the woods, and he goes, he walks over to the tree, and... He to where this thing is, and Naomi Watts. She's in the treehouse. She's got her gun. She's ready. She's her tr- scope is trained right on his fucking head. And then he looks at her, like he looks through the scope, apparently at her, whatever. And she, so she stumbles backwards, and she like you know kicks something. And earlier in the earlier in the movie, like the two boys, they have you know in like Brazil or one of those movies where there's like this contraption where like the ball goes down the chute and then it hits the thing and then it like yeah, flips like up a Rube, and... like a Rube Goldberg thing. Exactly, 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 exactly. So there's one of those, and she like bumps into it and triggers it, and right, it's right now when the whole like mom, mom, you have to do a thing, and he's like, okay, he's in the perfect spot. It's like, oh, okay, I guess there's a perfect spot or whatever. And then he, like, wanders away, and it's like, he's not in the perfect spot anymore, but she could just, her shot is just as good. So, like, what's the point of a perfect spot? Again, little things that just make no sense with the screenplay that should have been avoided and not even dealt with or rewritten or something. But whatever. It's like this whole movie should just should not have been made. It shouldn't have. And so, like, they do that a bunch of times. Like, oh, Mom, you gotta take the shot, you gotta take the shot. And, like, the music just, the music builds and glends in her sight, and it just... You know, it's this whole thing, and the Rube Goldberg contraption is like, you know, something's going to happen with that. What's going to happen? Everything comes to a head, and you want to know what the Rube Rube Goldberg contraption does? What? So, Naomi Watts has her gun pointed out a window at Glenn, and the Rube Goldberg contraption that lasted a couple of minutes, to be honest, all it did, all the thing did, and this is the... Uh, this is the problem with the whole movie that this just makes no sense why this one thing would happen in this particular way in this particular spot. The contraption ends and this roll of baby pictures falls against the wall. And she sees okay. it and decides she's not going to kill him. Whose baby pictures? Peter and Henry's. But why? But the thing is, Peter built that. 
It's not like it, Henry built. Like, first of all, if Henry built that, let's go. Let's look at all the scenarios. If Henry built that, why would he want to prevent his mom from killing the guy? If mm-hmm. Peter built that, when he, you know, when Henry wants to kill the guy, if Peter built that, why? Why? Why does he need this contraption to roll out baby pictures? Because it's cool. Why? But why in that particular spot? Like, just it doesn't. Like, fundamentally, that does not make any <laughs> sense whatsoever. So. But whatever, Susan, Naomi Watts, she's like, I'm not going to kill this guy. I'm whatever, YOLO. And she, so she walks out carrying the gun, and Glenn is standing there. He's like, what are you doing? And she like, she, like, lights in him. She's like, you're such a scumbag, and you have to live with yourself, and blah, 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 blah. And he's like, I'm going to call the cops and tell them that you did this. And he's, she's like, okay, fuck you. So he goes back to her house, and she goes back to the school play. And okay. meanwhile... Cutting between there's there's a cutting between her like Susan situation and the school and not the play the talent show that's just some of the worst ever. <laughs> oh my god, I forgot to get to the talent. Oh, so at the talent show, the first person up is this little kid with buck teeth starts rapping. All right, as bad as it was in um. It's a talent show. Is it? Yeah. Oh, just as bad, just as cringy. Um, a girl sings the national anthem, I think. Okay. And a black Very kid. Patriotic. Yeah, and a black kid break dances. Only slightly racist. Okay. No, overtly as racist as oh. can be. And mean. And also, little thing is in the crowd. There's like all the parents and whatever, and every single parent has their phone out, like to record the other kids. <laughs> who, wait, who cares? I don't care. What do I care about some other kid? They're not. The, I'm, I'm gonna go back and watch this kid rap or this kid break dance. I'm gonna watch my kid. I'm gonna. Take the video and show it to people or whatever. What do I? I'm not gonna go back. I, I need storage space. Whatever. Oh my god. So not big enough. So Christine, the molested girl, she goes and does this interpretive dance, right? I don't even know if it's interpretive. No, it's just like a dance or whatever. And oh, I kid you not, as while she's doing her dance, the this scene is cut is both cutting to Naomi Watts trying to kill Glenn Sickleman. And it's also cutting to the principal from earlier in the movie, you know, who, as the dance goes along, despite Christina really not giving that much of a reaction to it, she's just kind of dancing. Like, her face is pretty stoic the entire time. The principal gets this troubled look on her face. Like, oh, my God. Like, she realizes Henry was right all along. But there's literally no reason. Like, I think she maybe There's, like, a maybe a small tear at the very end of the dance, but the principal's standing, like, 60, 75 feet away. So, like, how could she possibly see that? You know? Uh-huh. And it sounds just like the worst. It is. It's so bad. And I hope this is entertaining for everybody. I really do. Because this is just the greatest movie I've ever seen. And so the principal calls the cops because now she has, like, evidence. And Glenn Sickleman comes back to his house and he realizes that the cops are not there for Naomi Watts. They're there for him. Like, what changed? You still don't have evidence. You just, like, you you yelled at Henry. He's like, oh, you have no evidence. But then your evidence is your own personal feelings. But why did you trust yours and not his when he well, not lives even next that door? I mean, she tried to kill him. No, 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 the principal. She... Oh, the principal. Yeah, no, the principal calls it in. Yeah. The principal calls it in. Like, she's going to believe herself from seeing an interpretive dance where one tear is shed that she can barely see over Henry, who lives next door, is friends with a girl, knows the guy, and has seen shit happen. 
And she's like, oh, okay, now it makes, now I'm not, okay. And so she calls him, and then Glenn kills himself. Just, just kills, kills himself. himself? Kills himself, yep. He just kills honestly, himself. Honestly, honestly, he kind of sounds like the victim here. I mean. <laughs> he was molesting his stepdaughter, that's not good. No, no, of course you have not. Me on, you have me on record saying that. Yeah. I don't think molestation is good. No, no. Of course. I just want everyone to know that. Yeah. But listen, you you bullied this guy to suicide. I mean, yeah, everybody kind of deserves a fair trial in America, which, you know, but if you want to take your own life, you take your own life. That's fine. But here's where there was one moment. So right after Naomi Watts comes back, the girl dances. And by the way, the girl, Christina, and the mom have this really weird relationship where she just calls her sweetie the whole time. They barely talk in the movie, but she calls her sweetie, and like they ha- every single time they see each other, they do this handshake, like this early uh, '90s Saved by the Bell handshake, and it's supposed to be like their thing, but it just turns out to be really weird. And like there's, they have a dialogue sequence where Christine is like, "I like, ah, oh, you're like my favorite. You're such a great mom," and it's like she's the same age as Henry, her, but like she talks, I don't. In this movie, children talk like adults and adults talk like children. It's just something you got to accept. It's weird. It doesn't make sense. But it sounds about right. We get to the end of the talent show. And who's the last act at the talent show, Cody? It's got to be Henry. Or not Henry. um, Peter. It's Peter. And he does a magic show, right? I saw it in the trailer. He does a magic show. And you know what he proclaims when he starts his magic trick? What's that? I'm going to make my brother reappear. What? Yep. And <laughs> this is the moment where I was like, this is going to be either the greatest cinematic experience of my life or this is going to be the bullshit. What the fuck? Oh, my God. Ending of ever. Really? And earlier in the movie, Henry was like, or Peter was like struggling. He's like, oh, I don't, what if my trick doesn't work? And she's like, oh, you, you just got to you just got to believe like, as a metaphor for her own, like, murdering of the police commission, you just have to believe that all the practice and preparation was to good use and just do the best you can. Weird scene. It's like, oh, yeah, your magic trick, just like my cold-blooded murder. Sweet. And so Henry, or Peter wheels this, like, thing, like, this chest or whatever, and he opens up. He's like, I'm going to make my brother reappear, and then he kicks it, and it just, it spurts out fake snow from a scene earlier in the movie. After Peter got beat up, Henry apologized to him by setting up a, like, a, a fan pushing out white snow, and he had goggles on and used toilet plungers to, like, move across the floor like he was climbing up a mountain. It's a callback to some random scene like that, and it snows on everybody, and everyone's all happy and smiling, and they start crying. And then, and then they go outside, and it's like, oh, by the way, Glenn killed himself, and Christine's like, cool, all right. Good. Fuck that guy. And then in the next scene, I kid you. So cut from that to Peter, the mom, and Christine, the molested girl, walking down the court steps and getting a voiceover from a. I'm assuming a judge. Just a voiceover. We don't even get to see it happen, but a voiceover saying, "And as a result, I'm going to be awarding full custody to to Susan." Somebody who tried to murder her dad. Well, no. It is. I. I mean, you know. As, as far as the police know, that didn't happen, or, like, that's not no. public knowledge, but just the idea of doing a voiceover as you're walking down the steps, weird. 
And then Susan burns the book and burns the last recording she has of her son and says goodbye to him, and the movie ends. So she's over it now? I guess. All it took was ruining a man's life. Yeah, basically. Like, this would have been a great Wes Anderson or Edgar Wright or, well, almost any movie by anybody who had skill as a director and critical thinking abilities. And I know I just went on 40 minutes giving a plot summary of a movie, but even now I feel like it's not enough. I like It was fun for me. This is an all-time horrific, just terrible, poorly constructed, poorly conceived, poorly executed movie. And it's it's on it like I said earlier. I can't it's unforgivable. It really is. And I don't we need to be talking as a movie society where we overanalyze every little thing all the way down to whether or not like all the way down to cameos and superhero movies and this or that other stupid thing. Like we just we go over everything with a fine tooth comb. And yet somehow uh-huh. it seems people are just not choosing to acknowledge that the director who's going to be capping off a night that these concluding saga ch- chapter, I assume concluding of a nine chapter star Wars trilogy. And they're just going to overlook one of the worst movies ever made. I don't understand. I don't know why we draw the line here. And I, d- and honestly, I've in my, just in my detailed description and logging and trying to remember every single detail of this terrible, terrible movie. I still feel like I'm missing so much. And it's just terrible, Cody. Have I what have I how how have you how's your perception of this movie changed and your desire Me, to see the movie changed from so my I'm so glad that I didn't watch it. Like seriously. But you got to watch it someday. Maybe. Like there's a movie, there's a movie, one of my favorite movies of all time is David Fincher's The Game. And it's just uh-huh. like it's a thrill ride. It's it's a it just you never know what's happening. It just it takes you by the the audience by the throat and just like throws you through multiple walls and windows and it's just completely disorienting. And that's one of my favorite movies to watch with people who haven't seen it because I just love watching their reactions and getting their <laughs> immediate feedback on it. And The Book of Henry is now one of those movies where I just can't wait to see people watch it. And it's just so nonsensically bizarre and terrible. That it sounds just like it. the room, like it actually. is. No, it really is, Cody. Like the sim, and I cannot again. I cannot believe I'm saying this because JJ goes back, and Colin Trevor talked about like, oh, I wanted to make a movie like the Amblin movies I grew up on. JJ did the same thing with Super Eight. He's like, I grew up on these movies where it was kids and you know they're having adventures. I want to make a Goonies kind of movie. I want to make a blah blah kind of movie, like something from my childhood. I want to try that and bring it to the next generation of kids and then eventually filmmakers, and I want to give that to them. And he completely succeeded. It's a solid movie, excellent cast, fantastic characters, great, not, I don't know, great story, but a very, you know, engrossing story because the characters are really what makes that movie awesome. And it's just a tightly made, satisfying, good movie. Colin Trevorrow wanted to do the same thing, but on a much smaller scale where there's no giant monster and there's no action sequences or nothing. It's just characters and plotting and just and just direction. Like, are you a good director? Yes or no? This is the kind of movie you need to make. And he went in the complete opposite direction and made an all-time piece of shit. <laughs> it's, a, it's, an all t- it's a piece of shit all-time. And it's a weird thing to say about a movie like The Book of Henry, but it just... 
It just is. It's just 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 bad, Cody. It's just bad. Well, you made me. I saved my money. I'm super happy. <sighs> but you gotta watch it eventually because it's awesome. It's oh, a, it's an enjoyably bad movie. Like if you did, if you did a triple feature of The Room, Batman and Robin, and The Book of Henry. Your day would be amazing. It would be the best. It would be so fun. I want to do that marathon someday. I'll pull a Josh here and just say I'll catch it on Netflix. Do it. I, I, I can't blame you. I really can't. But, and for the sake, from the love of God, Count Trevor, if you want to be a little, if you want to go all pretentious and be like, I want to give people original movies, follow the lead of Edgar Wright with Baby Driver or Bong Joon-ho with Okja and make something good. Maybe original... Maybe you should not focus so much on original and just try to make a good movie now. Just let's try that. Let's see how it works. See how it feels. If you like it, you like it. I can't. Like now, I now that I'm thinking about it more, I gotta drop this below Power Rangers. Like I thought that wow. they were equally stupid, but now that I'm thinking about it, this is this makes Power Rangers look like fucking Seven Samurai. So this is the worst movie 2017 so far? This is the worst movie I think I've... <sighs> uh, I don't want to say it's the worst movie I've ever seen, but nothing else comes to mind. So I'm going to say oh. this is the worst movie I've ever seen. Those are big words. Because like, like I said, I'm not going to watch Manos, The Hands of Fate. I'm not going to watch blah. I'm not going to watch some random thing. So I'm sure there's much worse movies that I've missed, but as far as the movies that I've seen, I just what what worse is there? Oh, uh, I don't I, I don't know. You know, I'm gonna look right now. I'm gonna look at my ratings. I'm gonna look at all the half stars that I've given on Letterboxd, because that's you know all the movies I've seen ever, and just so do I like Book of Henry more than actually Would You Rather is pretty terrible, but uh, which one did I watch that? I watched that movie, right? Would you rather? It has Sasha Gray in it. I think so. No, Brittany. I think you're thinking of a different movie. Yeah, but... because that movie is hilarious. <laughs> That's weird. I have both 2001 A Space Odyssey and The Book of Henry as half stars. That's funny. Um, That's pathetic. So one of my you other half stars up. is The Last Airbender, and I would write... I mean, this is worse than The Last Airbender. Wow. Another one is... Fantastic Four, and this is mu- This is along the same lines as Fantastic Four, but because of the how ridiculous the plot is, it just might. It's a little bit worse. So I'm gonna say it. This is my least favorite. This is the worst movie I've ever seen. It's not my least favorite because I had a blast watching this movie, and I can't wait for other people to see it. But as far as execution and just as just as far as execution goes, I've not seen a movie done p- more poorly than this. Batman and Robin is infinitely better than this because you want to know what Batman Robin has that this movie doesn't Cody heart no character what? arcs and a plausible story that Batman Robin has be- a more plausible story than the book of Henry <sighs> the worst movie I have ever seen in my life. I don't think this is ever going to be topped in terms of just sheer stupidity. I d- Can we talk about Looper now? Yeah, we're not going to do a scene by scene of Looper, right? No. God, no. This is going to be quick because this movie fucking rocks. But Because it's... Talk about original movies. That was the best... Exactly! 
do what Ryan Johnson did. Make an original movie that's good. It's not that well. It is hard. Movies are with hard some, with some good uh, child acting. That kid is amazing. That kid is so. Pierce Gagnon is amazing. He's amazing. Has he been in another movie? I don't think so. That's a tragedy. I'm sure he's been in something, but it's like probably small or whatever. Oh, he's adorable. He's 11 now. How cute. Yeah, he's been in some stuff. He was in Twin Peaks. The new one, really? Yeah. Sonny Jim Jones. No, he's got a, he was in The Crazies. Uh, after Looper, he was in Wish I Was Here. Don't know what that is. Rio 2 and Tomorrowland. Did you ever see Tomorrowland? I didn't. I heard it was garbage. It was good. I think it, 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 people were too hard on it. I think it was just, it was fine. It was, I enjoyed it. I think it was entertaining. Not as bad as people make it out to be, but Brit, I'm glad that we're over the Brit Robertson phase because she's not great, at least yet. Um, but Looper is like, it's one of those movies where, that I watched kind of before I knew what, I knew a lot about movies and I kind of, I literally bought this at Best Buy because I thought the cover looked cool. <laughs> and because it was like black and white and I just think that's a cool like logo design or whatever and I watched it and I was like shit this is good this is really good and I rewatched it again recently not knowing that we were going to talk about it but knowing that I wanted to revisit it before The Last Jedi and god damn it this is just a freaking good movie this movie's so cool so and you got cool. Joseph Gordon-Levitt kicking ass in it you have that asshole Bruce Willis in it, though. You know what, though? Honestly, Joseph Gordon-Levin might be the thing I like least about it. Not to say that I don't like him in the movie, but just that performance and that... Just I'm not crazy about Joseph Gordon-Levitt overall. I think he's fine, but I don't know. I could have done something for someone a little bit different. Like, I think that would have been a good role for... um, uh, I don't want to say that. Not like a maybe a Tom Hardy that'd been pretty sick, but just I don't. Know. There's something about Joe, Joseph Gordon-Levitt that kind of rubs me the wrong way, but overall, I think he was really good in it. Um, yeah. Yeah. No one was bad in that movie. No, no. I want to watch that. Yeah. No, you know the the most underrated character in that movie is um is uh Blue or what is that what his name is? Yeah, Kid From Blue. TV. Remember Kid Blue? He was like the dick who was like trying to be tough. I need more than that. What did he do? Uh, da, 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 da. He was on the motorcycle at the end. He was like, he got yelled at by Jeff Daniels a lot because he sucked. He's not the guy that the kid exploded, right? Mm, Who played him? Who played him? Uh, Noah Segan. Let me look. Yeah, he was because the guy. That's... He had like he had the gats. Like I don't remember gat... what he looks like. That's the thing. The Gatling gun. Um, let me just look him up on IMDb real quick. Yeah. Just look at look up Noah Segan, uh, Looper. You probably get him. But, um, he was honestly one of my favorite parts of the movie, because he just was such a funny, kind of goofball character to put into this movie that could have been so oppressive and just like, future, death, future, death, and he was just like this complete dipshit that was also a really <laughs> good antagonist, and like, Remember I always when loved... Paul Dano was in this movie. Oh, Paul Dano is fabulous. Um, I love there was a scene early on where like he's with Joseph Gordon-Levitt and he's about to take him to see Jeff Daniels and he's like spinning his gun around his finger and then he drops it. <laughs> kind of looked tough and he just like tries Wait, to. Is this, doesn't he like he's doing drugs right that give him like telekinesis? 
Uh, is he, he's no, another no. one of those hitmen, right? Yeah, I think he's a TK naturally, but all he can do is the stuff with the coins. He's so cool. Yeah. Um, I also like how he uses all the money he gets from this looping. Yeah. To um, <laughs> hire a hooker so he can cry. Yeah. This, that's one of my favorite. Just I can never imagine doing that. That's funny. Yeah. Who was um so. My favorite scene. What's your favorite scene in that movie? Oh my god! It's a small one, but I loved the scene. Like I really, I could not get enough of the Rainmaker in this movie, and I love the scene where the guy is feeding Bruce Willis or somebody the information on like where he was born, so they can go back to the past and kill him. Uh huh. Like there's this guy, like he's in a hospital, and like you hear like the explosions outside, and like the battening down the hatches, and like you're trying to wreck this dude and he's like hurry hurry you gotta write this down this is the guy's name and like so they can give him the thing he needs to kill him but uh so i guess that's more of a moment but um my favorite scene is the montage of joseph gordon levitt like his life you know and all the stages Uh that he went through like that was pretty cool what about you so i have a couple i really really like the finale in this movie when he shoots himself in the heart oh yeah 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 <laughs> so cool, but also the first time you see how powerful the kid is, mm. and um, when he's like doing the the math stuff. No, when um, what's his name? He's the guy from Raising Hope. Um, last name is Dylan. Just, yeah, yeah, just yeah, looking yeah. him yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, now I remember. He's um, he's there. He figured out something, and he's there to talk to with the mom. Mm-hmm. And he like hits her or something. As far as I remember, like it's been a while, but right. he like threatens her or something but then he gets super pissed off the kid does and he blows him up with telekinesis do you remember that scene yes now i do now i do that was pretty cool but just i don't the what the one of the things that struck me with this movie is like basically a movie happens in the first 45 minutes where it's just like you you could stretch out the first 45 minutes into its own three-act structure and i was like I remember when I was rewatching it, uh, I was just like, wow, this movie's going to end. This is a really short movie because it's like, <laughs> it's got to be almost to the end now. And it's like just the first 45 and where just so much stuff happens. But so much stuff happens, but you never, I don't know, I can't speak for you, but I never felt overwhelmed. Like I felt like I was perfectly up to speed and it's like, oh, I understand the rules of this world and the conflict that's being set up. And it just, it's, it's just, it's doled out just so perfectly of what's, you know, what's exactly, what's going on and how do we stop with that kind of a deal. And uh-huh. Ryan Johnson is just a fantastic writer. Like, as a director, I feel, I still think he need there's, he's got a movie in him someday that is just going to be, like, the Ryan Johnson movie. Like, I don't think he's made his Dark Knight yet, or I don't think he's made his, I was going to pick a Spielberg movie, but he's got, like, six movies like that. But I don't think this is going to be his Pulp Fiction yet. Like, I don't think he's made that. Well, even if he never makes that movie, Looper's that, – that's a Damn good – close. That's a good movie to like, just – I'm waiting for him to make a movie that just is – sends shockwaves and everybody's like, wow. Like, one of those movies where directors 50 years now are going to say – I, re- I knew I wanted to be a director when I saw when I When I saw this Ryan Johnson movie. Exactly. Like, I think he's got that in him. I don't know – like I said – he, I think as a writer, he's like great. Like he's he's one of the best screenwriters out there. Just the, and Looper is evidence of it because he just 
And Brick is also, I haven't seen that in a while, but I remember being really tightly plotted. But Looper is just, the, it's a perfect, perfectly paced movie just overall. Like yeah. Nothing feels extraneous. Everything is relevant. And um, as a director, I think he's got, he may need some fine tuning and he's on his way there. But as a writer, he's already like one of the greats as far as I'm concerned. I'm real. I want to check out the Brothers Bloom because I've heard it's really good or really at least enjoyable. But um, what's uh, what's actually let's talk about the Rainmaker, shall we? You mean the coolest villain you never get to see? Exactly. And when I when I watched this again, I was like, oh wait, do I get to see the Rainmaker? I'm excited to in case we don't, but we never get to see him unfortunately, which is well, you technically do. I mean, like, not as the Rainmaker. You see him not, as not the Not as him, not... like, oh my gosh. But just... Okay, I like this. I love the scene where they realize who it is. Yes. Yes, like, yes, yes. oh my god, it's him. Mm-hmm. And, oh, uh, it does that little, um... Doesn't it do another montage of, like, slow motion, amazing cinematography? I feel like it does. Yeah, like, when he goes on, uh... Like, like there, there's that moment before Joe decides to kill himself where he realizes, like, he sees, like, the two paths, like, how he can proceed. Like, what happens if... I let this kid get, or I let her get murdered. Not because he's not going to die; she is, no matter mm-hmm. what. Or at least, unless he does that certain thing, and you see him angry, so cool. and he's on the train, and it's just so fucking cool. One of the honestly, one of the best villains of in cinema, I think, is a child. Like it's a it's a kid who he never is. really ends up becoming a villain, but he's still the best villain. Like, Marvel hasn't gotten a villain as good as that. <laughs> I mean... No, I mean... This one's like TV. a six-year-old kid. <laughs> Could you imagine if one of the Marvels were... One of the Marvel villains were... Or was a kid like that? That'd be that'd be awesome. And again, that's... There's no reason why a movie like that can't have a great villain like this. Because the thing is, you really don't have to get a villain from your backlog. You can just make one up. Who cares? It's, I yeah, granted, no it's hard, gonna, like, but you know, do be pissed like off this. that you didn't hit um your deep lore character. But why wasn't the Silver Surfer there? Because nobody cares. We're gonna do something different. Like I would love. I can't wait for the what some comic book movie is gonna be like. Nope, we got a brand new villain, not from the comics that you don't know, and it's gonna be great. And I I'm excited for that day. Um, but the back to the Rainmaker, uh, just. The way they established, like, oh, TKs, oh, you can, like, flip coins in your hand, big deal, loser, or whatever. And to <laughs> go from that to the most powerful TK is the six-year-old kid who, oh, by the way, is going to take over the world one day. And uh-huh. the presence that the Rainmaker has when he's alluded to but not on screen, at least in the future scenes, is, like, palpable. Like, you feel him. You feel his presence, even though you never see him. And... I don't know, part of me thinks, like, maybe it was a budgetary reason why they couldn't do, go full Rainmaker, but... I like, honestly oh. think the movie's better because they didn't. Exactly, exactly. It's like, and it, again, this goes back to, like, I'm sure a lot of people are like, oh, but I want to know what's up, you know, what up, up with the Rainmaker, but whatever, whenever you, whenever I start thinking about it, just my, my imagination kind of, like, runs wild a little bit, and I was like, but what if he's like this, or what if he's dressed like that, or... I mean, you get a little bit of hint with his goons about how he might be dressed or whatever. Uh-huh, yeah. Because, like, I I read in the in the IMDb trivia, which is always a fun thing to do after you watch a movie, but apparently the way that the Rainmaker goons are dressed were dressed like some of the his toys he had as a kid. Really? Yeah. Which is That's just so cool. cool. Oh, my God. 
I'm gonna watch the movie. I might watch that at work tomorrow. Yeah, it's it's cool. Um. Whew. Uh. Let's see what else. Jeff Daniels is also great in this. He's good in everything. I mean, damn, he's he's had a he's had a little bit of a comeback. <laughs> I mean, he peaked early with Dumb and Dumber. Oh, of course, but like, yeah, yeah. I'm looking at the at the goons now, and they have these like dark jackets and these like circular kind of like top hats or whatever, and it just looks so cool. Looks so cool. Um. But I also I, another great part of this movie is um, with Bruce Willis's older Joe, where his mission is like, <laughs> wow! I, I'm just realizing that we're talking for three straight, basic, basically movies about the murder of a child, <laughs> like the death of a child. That's interesting, huh? <laughs> All right. The the Dead Kid trilogy. It comes at night. Book of Henry and Looper. Awesome. Um. But I love I love the the motivation for Joe, and this is always this is like always tough when it comes to movies to give everybody a motivation that doesn't alienate them from sympathy, and sometimes and this, it works. This movie had it hard too, though, because mm-hmm. it it had to come up with two separate motivations for the same character. Exactly, technically coming and from they a did different point. Such line. a good job! Oh my god! Yeah, cool. Joe is all about like saving both his future and saving this kid from being murdered. But older Joe is just, you know, the scenes when he kills those kids is like not where, when it happens is horrifying, but right after it happens, you just see the look on his face when he realizes this wasn't the kid. Like when it, when he goes, when he went to that apartment or behind or in the backyard of that house, he was hoping as deeply as he could that this kid was the kid that will, set things right that will let allow him to see his wife again he's just i want to remember your face is the i think that's the line he keeps saying and each time that he goes to do that each time he realizes he just murdered a child and he has to carry that with him no matter what and to, i mean that's that's just good that's good storytelling that's just a great idea of yeah it's going to take him a while to get there and just every, with everything every action that he does he just goes a little bit deeper and deeper into this into this point of where will it really matter if he gets to see her again because he's just such a broken person and that's exactly oh. like oh yeah I got to see her again but you know at the end of this at journey what cost? was it worth it I'll have a body count of three small children like three six year old kids and the it's just it's brilliant it really is brilliant um and just that scene at the end is where everything comes together of you know the the future fighting the past and just it just it works so beautifully where nothing is left uh nothing is left to to you know to go stale it's all just right there at the end and joe's decision is just it's it's perfect by um you know cutting all the strings really you know it's just by you know we're not going to get a peaceful resolution unless i have to Somebody you know, needs to this die. Myself. Yeah, and it's got to be. I guess be, it's gonna be me. And it can't be him, basically, or it can't be her, really. Because it's not gonna be him. It's gonna be her. So, and what do you think about how time travel was used? Did it ever get murky to you, or did you kind of go along for the I mean, ride? I, they didn't really explain how it happens. Mm. And I like that. And I like that they um, explain that 
you know one of these days you're gonna have to kill your old self right which i think is a super cool premise Mm -hmm. it's just a cool movie it's fine it's probably they don't go into it so you can't really comment on it yeah and I especially love the explanation that they give early on, which th- this is the thing, one of the things that kind of was like, oh, that's not very well done early on, but then you realize, like, oh, that's actually perfect, is how th- when how they explain um, why they need to send the loopers back to begin with, because, like, oh, the mob doesn't, like, you can't kill somebody in the future, you have to do it in the past, and it's like, okay, that doesn't really make sense, because, like, it's the mob, like, what do they care? Or time travel's illegal, or or whatever the excuse that they give and then later on in the movie you realize it's like the rainmaker's closing loops you know yeah because he knows somebody's gonna come after him as a kid it's just so smart um so smart and i guess i never i never really felt weighed bog you know boggled down but um oh man one of the sequences i loved which is just the it's so gruesome and just horror movie-esque and brilliant at the same time is when they when we switch perspectives to Paul Dano's character and he starts uh Kid Blue or the whatever whoever they start like hacking bits off of Paul Dano and you uh-huh. see that him come back and he's got like he's like Voldemorted up he doesn't have a nose his arms and legs are being cut off and he's like driving there as he loses fingers and it's just ah, it's so cool so cool this is such a, it's such a bro movie, but it's also extremely like smart and intellectual in a way. It's so great. Um, what are, what are, are yeah, the, any other scenes jump to mind that you liked? Um, I mean, not really. Just this. Oh yeah, there's a scene where um, old Joe is going to go talk to Abe, and he kills everybody. Oh yeah, on his way there. Yeah. That was cool. <laughs> Man. And the, the, the movie needed one of the it needed one of those like John Wick kind of gunfights or whatever. Uh-huh. And, and it had it, one. It had one and it, and it used it well. It's a very, this is a very restrained movie cuz it could have gone on like yeah, we're talking about like if this movie had 20 million more dollars, I don't think Ryan Johnson could have resisted the the temptation to do like a big rainmaker battle scene or just go <laughs> ham with it. So, I guess, I mean, Deadpool proved last year that the smaller the budget, the more creative you got to be. And, you know, uh-huh. sometimes a little money is leads to a big payoff. So, um, and yeah, that scene's just, that's that's pretty, that's a pretty dope scene. And I hated to see Abe go, because I think he was a great character about how he was this guy from the future sort of sent back to babysit, basically. And I like the scene where, um, where Joe comes in to talk and, uh, about like how his loop got, uh, how Bruce Willis got out or whatever, and uh-huh. the scene just kind of starts off very loose and conversational, and then Abe just gets really, really serious and like threatening as the as the chat goes on, and ah uh, man, he's like, I'm gonna go to, he's, and Joe's like, uh, he's like, oh, you've been studying French, and Joe's like, yeah, I'm gonna go to Paris, and he's like, don't go to Paris, he's like, I'm gonna go to Paris, he's like, I'm from the future, trust me go to Shanghai or go to China or something like that. And he's like, <laughs> okay. And in the future, he goes to China. It's just one of those little payoffs. It's great. Um, uh, yeah. Ah, man, I'm just looking at those, at the Rainmaker goons again. They're awesome. Ah, it's so smart. Um, 
how do you how did the relationship between Joe and um what's her face uh work for the work for you? It worked fine for me. I don't really remember. Emily the Blunt. Truth. There we go. He kind of got um super obsessed super quick, didn't he? A little bit. He had Disney so, syndrome I mean, there. But yeah, how are you not gonna put that in the movie? Yeah. But yeah, I liked it. It, it worked for me. I mean, I I understand it. Mm. Yeah, I'm. I guess that might that might be one of my little lower points where maybe the middle at the farm does lag a little bit. Like, but then again, you know, all the scenes are necessary, so I can't complain too much. And it's not uh-huh. like they had just like, oh well. I don't think I, I don't think there's something that I could cut without messing up the flow and the just rhythm of the movie. But I guess maybe those went for a little bit too long. But I think their relationship was pretty solid. They did set up that you know this is a woman who you know she hasn't seen a man in quite a while and she has her needs and urges mm-hmm. and all that yada 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 and icky stuff. But uh, it worked and she was you know tough enough. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's just it's a smart little little thing, and I enjoyed it, uh, especially when Bruce Willis comes. Then shit really hits the fan. It's pretty dope. Um, let's see. I'm trying to think of something else. What do else do I like? Uh, I don't know. I think I've I, oh, there's I guess the ending. Um, overall, when kind of things start to s- like slow down or whatever, and that like. Am I remembering correctly? Isn't there like a force field, like an orb or something that goes around them when, um, in that final confrontation between the Joes and uh, the Rainmaker? I mean, some, or something like that, I think. I, don't, I just I can't remember now, but there's like this. There was this really cool effect that I just was like, wow, that's that's real smart. Yeah, it's real smart. And I also don't think it's a coincidence at all that the kid grew up on a farm house, like by cornfields and stuff. Like it was obviously a Superman-y kind of thing, but um, oh yeah, that's another. Is as far as a futuristic world goes, I think this one worked pretty well because I don't think it ever went too far. With like, oh, that's a little bit, and that's a little uh-huh. bit unrealistic for how the future would be. Like, it's it plays it pretty safe. It's not, it doesn't back to the future part to it. Let's just say, where it's like Jaws forty six. It's like not really, no, I don't think so. Uh, and I especially like it how you can kind of see the city from. Uh, from the farmland. It's like, it's not your typical, like, oh, this is set in New York or Chicago or Los Angeles. It's more like Kansas City or something like that. It's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah. So anything else? Any other f- further likes or dislikes about Looper? Just a great movie. Go see it. Yeah. So let me ask you, when you saw this movie and when now you're thinking about it and all that, um... What do you see in this movie that has... What did you see in this movie that you think... Or just has you excited for what Star Wars could happen? Or what could happen in Star Wars? And how Ryan will have written and directed Star Wars? What gets you excited? Well... Just... His world building is really good. Not that Star Wars needs more of it. But... I really like that part about the movie. Just... I don't know. It's intelligent, and I'm looking forward to a smart Star Wars movie. I mean, Johnson, he's just got character development and plot structure down, uh, really. I mean, yeah, and it's, just... not, it's not ham-fisted, too. It's no. Just, 
it's natural, his character development. It's not like Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where it's like, oh, I guess we have to develop our characters and have them talk about their feelings for a couple times every scene. Or, you know, a couple times throughout the movie. It's just, it's just very... This movie is more, it's more of, it, like, imagine a rug, like, or, like, a really long carpet where you just unroll it, you know? That's what this movie is like. You just unroll it until you get to the end, and it, it kind of falls, and you're like, okay, it's over, but, you know, through the uh. whole thing, you just kind of, like, you go, you just go with her, it's, like, down a water slide, or whatever metaphor you want to use, whereas some directors, it's, like, you know, and sometimes it works, but sometimes it's more like a chessboard where they're just like, okay, well, now you need to know this, and now you need to know that. But this one is just like, here's the story. This is how, this is the story of this thing that happened that one time, and, you know, hope you enjoy it. <laughs> um, whereas, yeah, like you said, Guardians 2 is very, you know, checkerboardy. Let's hit the beats and go home and get some quippy dialogue. Yeah. Um, also, this is a very, this is a reasonably funny movie without being hearty har har. Yeah. So, got a couple. I don't. I can't think of any that coming to mind like right now. But I'm sure. I I remember laughing at some stuff. Don't remember what, but I I did. Um, yeah. So I love Looper, one of my favorite sci-fi movies. And you know, I don't. I really don't think, other than making like a Godfather caliber kind of a movie, Ryan Johnson could have had a better follow-up to Star Wars. Mm, or lead up to. Yeah, not follow up. Duh. But yeah, definitely. <laughs> I agree. I agree with what you your correction of what I said. Thank You're you. You're welcome. <laughs> Love the movie. Couldn't recommend it enough. So, um, I think that's going to be about it. I think so. We've given a lot of reason for concern <laughs> for the future of Star Wars, but. I'm sure Josh's bummed he's not about this one because it just turned into a Star Wars referendum, I guess. But all we need to talk about was Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, literally. Um, <laughs> but you know, there's there's things to be nervous about, and I think once we clear the hurdle of Episode Eight, then it's gonna be it's gonna be time to you know start chewing the fingernails a little bit more because I'm not. It's gonna be a rough couple of months for for the uh, Star Wars universe, and uh, who knows. We might have two new directors by the next time we meet up and talk again, Cody. So we'll have to see. We'll have to wait and see. It's just exactly what you want from your favorite franchise, I'm, I'm sure. So uh, until next time, we're not seeing Transformers, so we'll think of something fun to talk about next week while Josh is on vacation, and then we got Spider-Man and monkeys and Dunkirk, and it's going to be a whole thing. So until next time, you can follow Thrapes. us. Yeah, yeah, monkeys. Add underscore real flicks on the Twitter. And as always, leave an iTunes review. Uh, tell us what, if you liked it. So, Cody, until next time. Take it Au easy. Au revoir. Guten Abend. There you go, you said it. Guten Abend. <laughs> I'm always crying on the phone. Please forgive me for my sin.